Wake up, NHL fans. It is Thursday, and this is your morning cup of hockey alongside Kobe Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus. We have a lot to get into today. We're going to talk about Nathan McKinnon's four-goal game last night, Toronto Maple Leafs' big overtime win against the Winnipeg Jets, the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes had a good tilt on TNT last night. We're going to talk about why. I personally hate Carolina Hurricanes fans. I think Kobe might begin to hate them now a little bit as well. Then it's a Not big, begin. big week. It, it's huh? done. It's Last done. night, over. I, I saw what I needed to see from those scumbags. And then to shift a little bit forward, it's a big weekend in hockey, Eastern College hockey, as the Boston University Terriers take on the Boston College Eagles in a number one versus number two back-to-back. And then to finish off today's show, we're going to talk about the 2018 World Junior Canadian sexual assault scandal and everything going on there. So we got a lot to get into today. But before we do any of that, Colby, you got your BU hoodie on. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Nathan McKinnon, absolute dog. I mean, that game last night, he, he's insane. He really is. And, and you know, we were talking offline before the show started, trying to kind of think who Nathan McKinnon reminded, you know, what hockey player from growing up in our childhoods, Nathan McKinnon played like. Um, so if you have a, a comparison, make sure you drop it in the chat because because we want to hear from from everybody about that. And, you know, just thinking about it, I just don't even know who to compare this guy to because when you you look at his full set of tools, um, I feel like it just doesn't really exist, Johnny. I mean, a guy who who skates as well as he skates, who can produce as well as he produces, but is also an absolute freight train on the ice of physicality. I mean, he he's kind of an old school type of player that you don't really see anymore. Uh, in the NHL, I mean, I guess the Kachuk brothers are probably up there, but they don't skate like McKinnon. Uh, what a treat it's been to to watch this Colorado Avalanche team as of late. I have a name, but granted, like I was probably too young to really watch him, you know, a lot. But I think you may have watched him a lot just because of our age difference. Would it be crazy to compare him to Eric Lindros? I mean, look, maybe not crazy, but I think the difference with Lindros was that he was so big. Right. I mean, I think Lindros was was, Nate's not tall, big, but he's a big stocky guy. Yeah. I mean, again, and and I think one of the things with Lindros was that he, he could, he did it in an era where everybody else was big like that, you know? And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's a terrible, terrible comparison. I actually think, (laughs) I don't think it's so terrible. (laughs) I, 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 well, look, you're, you're talking about, you know, great players, I guess, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, high, high elite level skill players that are also power forward types of players and, and guys who kind of thrive in the high danger, high traffic areas, um, which Nathan McKinnon does. And, you know, you, you watch him play against the caps last night and, you know, single-handedly carries this team through that game. I mean, plenty of supporting cast, but um, he, you know, his 82 points right now are, are pacing the league and, um, the way he goes about it, the way he puts himself in spots, the way he, you know, finds open ice and, and he's just so multidimensional. Uh, it, it's really impressive to watch. Like I, I think, uh, avalanche fans, man, they, they, they have a treat every time this guy puts on, uh, the burgundy and, and blue out there in Colorado. Cause he is just absolutely possessed right now. Well, the Avalanche are 19-5-0 at home. Nathan McKinnon now has points in all 24 of their home games, which is insane. I think the only player to ever record a point in every home game in the regular season is Wayne Gretzky doing it in all 41 games. So 
I guess Nate's on pace or whatever you want to call it. But the Avalanche right now, they got two games at hand to the Winnipeg Jets, but they are tied in points. They're 7-3-0 in their last 10 games. I tweeted it last night. Like, I think the West runs through Colorado. We talked about them a little bit yesterday and how, you know, they're probably the last team that like, didn't really need a good goalie to win the Stanley Cup with how they performed in the 2022 playoffs this year. Alexander Georgiev, you know, has been a little bit subpar in net, but you don't need to be that good in goal when you have this team in front of you. And everyone talks about the Avalanche offense, but their blue line is just as strong. Yeah, let me let me read you their their blue line pairs right now. You've got Taves and Makar, which again, I'll, I'll argue anybody that's the top pair in the NHL. I'm not mm-hmm. saying necessarily th- there's a few of them, but but they're they're as good as any pair in the NHL. The way those guys can hurt you and, and the way that they defend. You know, you're not talking about. Um, you know, guys who only produce offensively. These are guys who produce defensively as well. Then you throw out your second pair with Sammy Gerrard and Josh Manson. I mean, you know, that, that, that Manson is an absolute monster of a character, a guy who just grinds you down, wears you out. And then your third pair has Bowen Byram, who is a stud. The mm-hmm. Flyers actually tried to trade for him before they got Jamie Drysdale. Um, for a good reason. I mean, when, when Byram is healthy, I mean, he is as fluid of a skater and as smooth with the puck as, as really anybody in the NHL. And then they've got, um, Malinsky or, or Jack Johnson, who's, who's a little bit dinged up right now. And they're rotating. He's a player, man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's He's finding his way in the league. He really is. So, you know, that team is stacked on the back end. Um, and then you start to think about all the Landeskog sightings as of late. He, he was on the ice with the team yesterday in Denver at pregame skate. Um, you know, he, he practiced one day next week. I, I don't think there's a timetable necessarily for his return, but think about the boost that the Colorado Avalanche will get uh, by, by getting this guy back at some point, because look down the middle, they they do have some weakness. Ryan Johansson's been their third line center. He hasn't been great. Um, he really hasn't. I know you have Logan O'Connor, who you know usually occupies that that fourth line center spot for them. Um, but you get Landis Cog back, and that kind of pushes the lineup, you know, back down. You know, right, right now it does feel like things run through them. The only thing I would say, Johnny, you know, they're scoring five, six, seven goals a night you know, for the last couple of weeks, they've got two losses baked in there, but it's been a lot of wins and it's been a lot of high scoring wins. So at mm-hmm. some point, you know, you, you do need Georgiev to, to make a save. You, you do need to manage the puck a little bit and you do need to limit the turnover. So um, exciting brand of hockey, you know, being played at the Pepsi center right now in Colorado. I know it's not called that anymore. It's called ball arena, but for mm-hmm. me, it'll always be the Pepsi center. It's where I played my first NHL game. I grew up, you know, watching a lot of games because Joe Sackick was one of my favorite players. Um, and, and our family always had a deep connection out to Colorado. That was kind of where our family was split in Philadelphia and Colorado. So uh, if I, if you want, I could give you a map of the city like I did in Winnipeg <laughs> a couple of weeks Please ago. Don't. Before, before, before you, uh, before you take, t- start talking shit, I'll just get that right out of the way. So, um, impressive. I forgot man. about that. When, when they get going downhill, man, they, they get going. And, and, you know, we never even really talk about rotten in because uh, McCarr and McKinnon get all the ink, but it's, mm. it's scary, man. When these guys are clicking it, it, this Colorado team is a scary team. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Ranton, and I want to read some stats out since November 20th. Nathan McKinnon, since that date, has two four-goal games. He only hasn't recorded a point in one game, and in the 32 games he's played in that span, 24 goals, 38 assists, 62 points, and is a plus 11. Then you look at Miko Rantanen in that same span, 16 goals in 32 games, 26 assists, 42 points. McKinnon is first in the NHL since that date, and Rantanen is fourth. I mean, these two are just unbelievable and unstoppable. And then, you know, another milestone last night, Kale McCarr becomes the all-time leader in goals for defensemen in Avalanche franchise history at 25 years old, scoring 76 goals in 281 games. Tyson Barry's second. He played 484 games, over 200 games or less than 200 games. What the hell am I saying? It took Kale McCarr 203 games less to get to that point. And McCarr is also just four points shy of passing Tyson Berry for all-time points in Colorado Avalanche history. So what he is doing as a defenseman is just unlike anyone we've seen. I mean, you can maybe compare him to Bobby Orr, but that's really the only comparison. Kale is just on another planet right now. Yeah, and and I know John Michael Lyles is pretty high up the, the list of all-timers there in Colorado. Is actually my D partner, uh, my first ever t- training camp, my you know, through preseason, couple regular season games an absolute stud of a player to play with. And and Johnny played there a long time. I mean, he was a homegrown player for them. He, he played in the NHL a long time. So it, it gives you more appreciation for how quick Kale McCarr's doing this. I, I know we saw Sandus Ozelinch's name uh, on those lists as well. So, you know, a lot of history there in Colorado. Um, a, lot of, a lot of big name guys that have played there, have played the blue line there, have spent a lot of time there. But you know, McCarr's a special player. I mean, he he really is. And, uh, you know, he, he him, McKinnon, Rant, you know, Rottenin, Rantanen, how, however we're saying it this year, these players like to change their last names just about every other year. But um, th- this is a tough team. And, you know, th- they're going to continue to be a problem for teams. Um, they're going to continue to score a lot of goals. And, you know, ultimately, uh, it, it's going to, start on their back end and it's going to trickle forward. So it, it, it's a team we, we could see a, a, an opportunity to be back playing in, in June and, and playing to lift that big trophy. I want to ask you just one question before we move on to the next thing. I had uh, Peter Fegan reply to my tweet last night about, you know, the West running through the avalanche. And he said, I disagree. The abs are too top heavy. Vancouver is a much deeper team with better goaltending and Rick Tockett might be the most underrated coach in the NHL. To which I said, with all due respect, McKinnon, McCarr, and Rantanen are better than Pedersen, Hughes, and Miller. I think that's 100%. a no-brainer. 100%. And I, I said, I'll give them – what's up? Yeah. That's yeah. Not, I, I don't – you're talking about different different steps. Not They're not even on the same like level. They're, they're all great players, but mm-hmm. the, the, the Avs players are another level above those three guys. I'm sure he's yeah. a Vancouver Canucks fan who replied. No, he's a Ranger right? fan. Ranger fan. Okay. But I, I said, like, also, you know, I'll give them Demko and Tockett is a great coach, of course. But, you know, until I see Vancouver in the playoffs, I'm taking the Avalanche 10 out of 10 times. Well, and and Bednar's got a cup as yeah. a coach. So, yeah. I, I like, I love talk. I really do. Everything about him. I love him. I think he's he's going to be coach of the year this year. Um, I think the Jack Adams trophy is is kind of all but wrapping up to be his. But I, I just totally disagree. I think the Avs are stronger on the back end. I think they're stronger up front. Mm. I mean, you can't let if you start going one for one on their decor, you can't tell me Quinn Hughes is better than Kale McCarr. You, no. you can't tell me that. I know there's not many guys better than Quinn, but 
Kale's one of them. Mm-hmm. Who who's their number two in 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 Vancouver? Because he's not probably better than Taves. Aronic, probably. He's, he's, a, he's not a Quinn. He, he, he's not a be- better player than Devon Taves. Um, and then and then how about Bowen Byram, Sammy Gerard, and Josh Manson? Like I I I'd have to disagree. The only edge I would give Vancouver. Uh, is in goal, in goal. is Thatcher Demko. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's a no-brainer, uh, and that can be a difference maker over the course of a seven-game season. But I, I couldn't disagree more with that statement um, coming from from Rangers Twitter. There, I, I really couldn't. Yeah. So you agree with me, which is nice. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Claps that. You know, I don't like to say that out loud, but every now and again, a blind squirrel finds a nut. Well, speaking of those two, I want to put you on the hot seat for a quick second. If you could watch two teams go at it, build your lineups, three on three overtime, five minutes, which two teams you want to see and which three players on each team do you want to see? So I feel like it's definitely McKinnon, Rand, and McCarr on, on one side. And it, for me, it could be those three in Vancouver. Like that would be a fun back and forth. Yeah, I, I think that would be a great three on three. Um, I, yeah. I, I think in Edmonton, you know, when when you roll out McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and, and Evan Bouchard, I, I'll even, a team that I absolutely crush on here week after week is the the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you, you can't deny three players full of skill that you could roll out on the ice on that Toronto Maple Leafs roster. So uh, the last thing I want to say before we do move on and we talk mm-hmm. about the Leafs and the Jets, Johnny, is we, we did a fantasy draft for... Um, for the DFO, um, uh, an article that Matt Larkin was writing um, for the all-star skills competition. And he, he listed all the players that we could draft. We randomized it uh, um, uh, amongst a group of us. And I ended up with the first pick. And on the list, um, Connor McDavid was left off the list and it, it was an accident. Mm-hmm. So I, I figured for some reason, like I didn't realize, I just thought, oh, okay, for some reason, they're just leaving McDavid out. Um, and then we drafted, I went first overall and it was a no brainer for me to pick Nathan McKinnon for that, who we thought would win the skills competition. I I should, I should clarify that. Then Matt Larkin responded in the email and said, my bad, I forgot McDavid. So if you want, um, we can redraft because he just assumed that I would take McDavid first overall. I sat tight with McKinnon. Um, I did. And that's obviously no disrespect to McJesus who listen, the guy lives in his own world, but I got to tell you something. I I think the competitive nature of Nate McKinnon, I'll take him against anybody in a skills competition. His, his his rounded skill set, his speed, his edge work, how dynamic he is. And again, I I know McDavid can do all these things too. So if you're an Oilers fan and you're getting upset right now, just, just pump the brakes. Okay. Like, I, I still think McDavid is the best player in the world, but I, I stood on my my McKinnon pick. I, I stood by it even after I was given the chance. So McDavid went number two overall in that draft. And well, okay. So now I got another hot seat question for you. You're, I don't, you're I, your hot seat questions are annoying. Let's move on. That's so mean. I'm so mean. Go ahead. Ask me your question. No, no, no. It's actually kind of a shitty question now that I think about it. See, see, I did do it. <laughs> I was going to say, whose career would you rather have right now between McDavid and McKinnon? But obviously McKinnon has the cup. So um, it's, it's a no brainer for that one. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. If you you want to win cups when you're that, when you have that many individual, like it's, you want to win cups. And and honestly, I, I I think Colorado might be, have a more well-balanced roster. I think Edmonton's the hottest team in the NHL, but I think Colorado's roster is, is, is more well-built, you know, to, 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 
to sustain that level. You know how my brain works. It just like kind of, you know, the light went off. I was like, oh, this could be a good question. Then I kind of thought about it for a second. I was like, nope, definitely not. Thank you. So thank you for not being too harsh with that one. But let's talk about uh, Leafs Jets because Ilya Samsonov was the big story of last night's game. He has the shutout. He stops a 2 on 0 on a power play, which was insane because it took the Leafs probably seven to 10 seconds to even get back into the frame after the two on no happened. And then all five guys weren't even in the picture. It was only three guys that came fully back, which is insane. Watch this two on no as it develops. Samsonov makes two pretty big saves here to keep the game knotted at zero zero. And the Leafs end up <laughs> winning in overtime one, nothing, but what a crazy sequence that got Sheldon Keefe all fired up on the bench. Nice to see him show a ton of emotion back there. Cause it's been a crazy time for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I mean, what, what do you make of Sheldon Keith benching that first unit? I think it's a little bit overdue with uh, their just competitive level and, the, and their kind of, you know, their lack of giving a fuck, right? You, you, it's, it's a, it's a give a shit kind of thing, right? You're casual. Wanna, you just, you can't yeah. be, you can't be casual. I mean, especially against the Winnipeg Jets, they, they don't, uh, they don't give you an inch out there. So when you, when you get casual, even five on four, you're going to give up a, a play like that. And look, I know they won the game one, nothing. And, and I'm, I'm really happy for Samsonov. I really am. I mean, the guy's been through a lot, but if this, this clip right here uh, of Sheldon Keefe, his face is the color of my red sweatshirt, uh, tomato faced. And he's just absolutely laying into that top unit on the bench. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, uh, Willie Nylander right directly in front of him on the bench, that clip plus giving up the two on O that explains the Toronto Maple Leafs season. It really does. And, you know, look, it's important to get wins like that and show that you can, you know, win low scoring games, um, especially when they're having the goaltending issues that they've had. Samsonov now has put together two starts for himself in a row. He gave up one to Seattle and a three to one win against a hot Seattle team. Um, he, he gives up no goals to the Winnipeg Jets, uh, which again, is not because his team defended phenomenally in front of him, you know, and I'm generally not a huge stats person. Um, but when you, when you look at the stats from this hockey game, a couple things that really stick out to me. Well, first off the Leafs weren't ready to go. Uh, they get out shots 16 to four in the first period. Samsonov absolutely stands on his head. He's getting a standing ovation from the crowd. He, he talked about how it almost brought him to tears and how big of a moment that was for him, Johnny. But mm. let's just talk about giveaways and takeaways, okay? Because to me, giveaways, it, it's a measurement of give a fuck, just like you just said, all right? And the giveaways for that hockey game, 17 for the Toronto Maple Leafs, five for the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, five giveaways is is a great number in a hockey game. Seventeen is absolute dog shit. Takeaways: fourteen for Winnipeg, eight for Toronto. So when you when you marry those two things together, they get a big win. The second half of the game, excuse me, the second and third period, uh, Toronto did outshoot Winnipeg twenty four to twelve. So the big boys woke up after the first period. They applied offensive pressure. Uh, Matthews gets that GWG, um, you know, 39th goal of the season. The guy is, is as good a scorer as we have. He's in the hitting NHL. 70. No He's hitting 70. Um, I don't think he will, but, but I, I, there's a lot of people who do. Um, I think as the games get a little bit harder and a little bit tighter, we'll see. Uh, but again, um, I, I just, uh, they, they get the win 
And but but you know you you just can't be careless with the puck. Seventeen giveaways in a playoff game. You're never going to win a playoff series playing hockey like that. And you know we continue to talk about this Leafs team, and we continue to talk about how good they are offensively and how good they're for you know they're 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 at least they're three guys. And then John Tavares is still a very productive player. He's been Mister Consistent really his whole career. Um, and I know he hasn't scored a lot of goals lately, but he does bring other things to the table. Like I don't put this on him, but I just wonder who, who's the alpha male in that room to, to hold the players accountable for having 17 turnovers. Like, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's sustainable for the Toronto Maple Leafs to, to win when things get tight. Uh, you know, turning the puck over between 15 and 20 times in a hockey game. And, and um, Winnipeg loses Josh Morrissey last night, blocks a shot and leaves the game. So he misses a bunch of time in that game. And, and you know, big minutes out of Jake McKay, big minutes out of Morgan Riley, uh, Lilligren, and, and, you know, the rest of the top four. But I, I don't think it's sustainable, Johnny. I mean, I don't know if you saw much of that game last night, but mm. I, I, I know a coach is not going to be happy with, with 17 giveaways, turnovers. You're also talking about a team that is flirting with the playoffs right now. The Maple Leafs are not sitting comfortable at all in the division right now. They have 56 points and the lightning are just one point back. The Red Wings are just three points back. Like they're not, not sitting safe right now. So you'd think a team like that would clean it up. And what do coaches always stress, Kobe? It's puck decisions, puck management. And in those big games like last night against a Canadian, I don't know if you want to call him a rival, but a Canadian team that's been arguably the best team in the NHL all year long. They've been the best team since November 20th in the NHL, which we'll get into shortly. Like those are the games where you really kind of benchmark it, right? You want to measure up where your team's at. And if that's the performance you give, you go 0 for 5 in the power play. You have those 17 turnovers, like you mentioned, like you might win the game, but you're not feeling good about your team after that game. You know, like it's well, let me, but yeah, I agree. I I totally agree with that statement that, that you won the game, but here's the problem in, in pro it's not a problem, but the reality of pro sports, when you win, you feel good. Even if you win the wrong way, it's just, well, maybe the coaches don't, maybe the coaches, right. Okay. Players do. Players do. Yeah, because because look, man, winning solves everything in professional sports. Yeah. And people who say otherwise are are fucking clueless. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, but I want to argue like one thing. Shit, but win. And honestly, everybody's happy and nobody cares. It, it's it's how it goes. I want to argue one thing with that though, because I find it interesting. I, I think every situation is different. Like the other night, for example, and not to bring another team into this, but Patrick Waugh in his second game coaching the Islanders, the Islanders outplay Vegas. They lose 3-2. Patrick Waugh was as positive as I've ever seen a hockey coach because his situation right now, despite the Islanders not being in a playoff spot, he's all about the process right now. It's his second game as a head coach. He wants his team to play the right way and learn his style and his DNA of hockey. So he's pleased with the effort. Sometimes coaches are more concerned about the process than the result. And with these four games that Patrick Waugh has leading into the all-star break, he's more concerned with how his team performs effort-wise as opposed to the result. And sometimes that's you know a real thing where right now the Leafs are probably a little bit more result-focused than they are uh, process-focused. Well, let, let me let me poke some holes in what you just said because. But am I? But am out. I a little bit correct there? Uh, let me talk. Okay. okay. Um, it's the NHL. It's it's expected that you give effort. 
we're not going to pat people on the back for effort. All right. Patrick Waugh just came into a situation with probably a bit of a fragile group. That's that's sliding themselves out of a playoff spot has been sliding themselves out of a playoff spot. They haven't managed the puck well. So so this is a little bit of a different scenario, but I'm just going to tell you something right now. Coaches can 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 come in and say, I liked our effort tonight. I liked our compete tonight. We didn't you know, we, we, we deserve better. That does happen. Mm-hmm. But effort. That's non-negotiable. When you make millions of dollars to play hockey, that that's off the table. You have to give effort because if you don't, you will lose every single night. Okay, you will lose every single night. I don't care how much you make or how good you are. So I understand Patrick Waugh talking about the process. Okay, or I understand you know the the Toronto Maple Leafs winning a game. Maybe they get you know I, I don't. You know, they, were they outplayed? I, look, there were different swings of momentum. First in half of the game. game for sure. First half sure. of the game for sure. sure. But then the second, but there's more than one yeah. half of a hockey game. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You'd like a complete 60 minutes, but it doesn't always work that way. So I, I don't buy this. Effort is non-negotiable for any team in the NHL. Process effort are different. Okay. Managing the puck is something these teams, both of these teams need to do better. Okay. They're both giving up way too many chances. And we're talking about the Islanders and we're talking about the Leafs here. They're both giving up too many chances. They're both turning pucks over. They're both not defending the rush or defending the blue line. Well, and they're both leaving their goaltenders out to dry more times than not. So, you know, it's, 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 it's non-negotiable to have effort. I hear what you're saying about Wah. I get it. He's trying to put a, put a process in, but he just took over a team four days ago you know, that, that, you know, he, he comes in cold, right? So yeah. you have to have a little bit of a different approach, but at the end of the day, winning is everything in the NHL. It's a multi-billion dollar business. It's about butts in the seats. Okay. Selling beers, making money, winning, winning, and more winning. And that's it. And people who think otherwise have no fucking clue what they're talking about because that's unless, what it is. Unless you're the San Jose Sharks and you want to tank for Macklin Celebrini. Then you want to lose, lose, lose. <laughs> you're 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 not wrong. And then it's miserable, <laughs> miserable, miserable. And, yeah. and the coaches are fucking miserable. The players are fucking miserable. And it sucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. It absolutely sucks. And and you know, it, it, but it's a it's a painful part of the process in the salary cap era because you just can't buy and buy and buy players. You've got to draft, you've got to develop, and you know, the pendulum swings. San Jose had a lot of years where they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door making trades, selling their soul at the trade deadline, getting rid of prospects. It catches up with you. Look at the Blackhawks. It caught up with them trying to win the cup for seven straight years. You look like you got something you want to ask me here, Johnny. Is it in the chat? Yeah, I'm reading some stuff in the chat. First, it's actually a comment about my looks from D.E. Lee. He said, I figured out who Johnny looks like. Collodrill from a Bronx Tale. LOL. Great movie, by the way. I've You've seen never seen one. a Bronx Tale. No I've way. seen a Bronx Tale. I've seen a Bronx Tale. And I kind of I kind of see that a little bit. I've never gotten that one. But I but I kind of see that a little bit. That's a good that's a good movie. It's the same guy who, who's uh, he's in uh, what's it? Weekend at Bernie's, right? It's the same character. Same guy who plays Collodrill in a Bronx Tale. I think so. Are you thinking? Are you I'm, I'm shaking my head. Yes. Oh, okay. I was looking at the chat, um, but we have a question in the chat from N Vitali 21. We were just talking about uh, the Winnipeg jets. We got to talk about the LA Kings because that PLD trade. Oh boy. Is it backfired for LA? Uh, he or Nick N Vitali 21 wants to know between Rangers and Kings, 
who seem to be going through similar really bad stretches. Which team do you think is more likely to turn around and why? Uh, LA, I don't want to answer that question specifically. I do think it's the Rangers, but LA right now, I just want to talk about them. Since December 1st, the LA well, Kings... Answer the what? question. I said the, Red, the Rangers. Red, why? Give us a reason. Um, I said the Rangers, and I'm about to go into LA, and then we can come back to the Rangers. No, answer the guy's question, or or her question. I don't know yeah. who it is, but answer I'm, the question. I'm saying the Rangers... Because the Rangers have dealt with a ton of injury issues, and the Kings right the now... Rangers apologist. No, no. I'm not making excuses, but the Kings are, have been relatively healthy aside from Victor Arvidsson and uh, Phoenix Copley, and they don't have many holes. The Kings are a very complete lineup, and they've now been playing bad for a very long stretch of hockey. Where the Rangers, they've had some lineup issues. They've called up AHL guys. Uh, you, you've seen like Igor Chesterkin have some off nights. Like, you know, I think they have a little bit more excuses to make than LA because LA. I'd say top to bottom is a better, more complete team than the Rangers. When you just look at the rosters and LA has been playing way worse than the Rangers have. So I think the Rangers probably have a better chance to turn it around than LA simply because what, what changes are you making right now? If you're LA, like there, there aren't many holes in that lineup when you just look at it on paper. So, you know, for me, the answer is LA. I don't know about you. Yeah, I would say, uh, I, I'm, I think the Rangers will turn things around more likely. I just, you know, I think they play a more aggressive style and, and I, I I'm going to go with similar reasons. You, you yeah. look at who LA has down the middle, they should be winning hockey games. You look at their defense, you look at, you know, the, the thing to me, that's a big difference maker is, 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 you know, I've seen Igor Shesterkin be really good for a while now. And I've seen Cam Talbot be really up and down for a while now. And I'm not even just talking this year. I'm talking history. Okay. Players put good stretches together, but generally after a guy's been in the league for five years, we know who they are. Even if they ride a high wave, the wave usually comes back down and, and the law of averages usually applies. So I think the Rangers are more likely to turn things around than LA. I think LA's in trouble. I think one of the issues with LA is, you know, is, is Pierre-Luc Dubois. This guy is a fucking loser. Yeah. I'm sorry. Everywhere he goes, he loses. I don't even know why I said I'm sorry. He claimed his way out uh, of, of Columbus because he couldn't be coached hard by John Tortorella. Then he goes to Winnipeg. He complains his way out. He mopes his way out of Winnipeg. And then he ends up in L.A. Who wouldn't want to be in L.A.? You go to the beach after practice if you want. And, and he can't get it done there. And he's getting called out by McClellan. His minutes called out by Dowdy. Probably all out by yeah. Dowdy ha had a had an interesting soundbite. Let's let's take a listen to what Drew Dowdy said last night. What has to change here? Um, I think we got guys in this room who are too worried about themselves and worried about their points and worried about stuff like that. We get a three-one lead tonight, and you know, guys start thinking it's a it's a cookie night, and we stop playing the way we know to play. Have an awful second period, and then aren't much better in the third. Uh, it's about the team. It's not about yourself, and a lot of guys on this team gonna need to realize that. This whole stretch of games, every game has been relatively close. Does this feel like maybe the bottom out for you guys with how the, the second and the third went? I mean, honestly, it's felt like the bottom out for a while now. Um, it's frustrating not getting these wins. We're trying to stay positive. 25 games since December 1st, the Los Angeles Kings are the 26th best team in the NHL. They have a 9-10-6 and six record in those 25 games. Pierre-Luc Dubois has five goals and four assists and is a minus nine in those 25 games. And then you look at a guy like Gabe Velarde, who was a part of that trade with the Winnipeg Jets. And, and we're going to get back to the Kings, but I just want to read the stat and how different it is. Gabe Velarde and the Winnipeg Jets are first in the NHL 
in the same span with an 18 three and three record. Velarde has 11 goals, eight assists, and is plus 19 in only 22 games played. So say what you want, man. And listen, and being a minus player like Dubois is in LA, it's hard because they're a team that doesn't give up a lot when they're playing well. The first half of the season, you know, you couldn't get through their neutral zone or maybe not the first half, let's say the first quarter. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get through LA's neutral zone. But again, I love Drew Doughty's comments. I know Drew. We played hockey together as, as young kids, kind of on summer teams, you know, all coming up. This is an alpha male, okay? This is a guy who is not afraid to say what's on his mind. He'll call anybody and everybody out. He will say nothing and expect nothing from a player that he hasn't either done or does on a nightly basis. He always brings it. He's definitely one of my favorite players in the NHL. He's been for a very long time. And I think he's talking to Dubois. I do. Guys worried about their points, worried about their minutes. I mean, look, again, let me just be clear here, okay? The guy forced his way out of two teams. I really don't have a problem with it. I really don't. NHL teams discard of players on the daily. They don't give a shit about you. Okay. So when a player wants to do something similar, okay, no problem. Force your way out. But buddy, pull up your pants. Okay. It's like get going. You can't force your way out of two situations go to LA and shit the bed yet again, because you know what? Now you look like a fraud and now you look like a pretender. All right. And you know, until this guy proves otherwise, that's what we're seeing. It's not personal. I don't know the guy. All right. He's clearly talented, probably one of the most talented players in the entire league, but it's unacceptable. It really is. Don't call attention yourself. If you're not going to step up and face the music and this guy never seems to step up. And he never seems to face the music. And that's all I'm going to say about Pierre-Luc Dubois. He doesn't get any more of my breath. And it probably hurts so much more that he just signed that big ticket through 2030-2031 with the Does LA Kings. No move? Does he have no move, no trade on that deal? Do you know? I, know I believe, I believe there's a no contracts. move. Vic, can, you, no can move. you look that up? There is no move. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking at Cat Friendly right now. Yeah. For no how move. many? For how long of the contract? Uh... I don't know what M dash NTC means. Modified, modified, no trade clause. So So that means there's like a list. So that means they could trade him, but he gets to put in a list. Okay. So that starts 28, 29. So he has three years of that, but he's got a no move up until 27, 28. So for the next three seasons, full no move and then modified. So he really controls his own destiny here for a while. That is a scary, scary thing. I mean, man, these teams keep handing out these no move, no trades. I mean, they they gave it eight years of it to Willie Nylander. I've widely criticized that. Uh, I, these teams need to be careful, man. You're, you're handing these things out like they're fucking Tic Tacs. And it has not been working out for teams lately because guys have just not been owning it. And they have not been, um, they, they, they've been kind of letting their foot off the gas. So, you know, that, that's... Uh, that, that's a scary thought there in LA. Rob Blake is not a guy I would want to piss off. He, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's a pretty intimidating guy. So we'll see if maybe he visits the locker room and, and, and starts throwing shit or, or scaring the shit out of some guys. Teresa in the chat said, I got shit for saying it's PLD. Kings fans say it's the whole bottom six and Fiala. And usually bottom six guys are not worried about their points, but uh, you know, I, 
I, I think it's PLD for sure. I, so I, I agree with Teresa. Yeah, me too, Teresa. Yeah. I, I wouldn't take shit about any of that. You, you can't look at your bottom six and blame the way this team is playing on your bottom six. Sure. Do you need a little bit more from Fiala? Absolutely. But you got to remember something. Fiala has been a consistent player in this league for a long time. This is not a guy who generally fluctuates his effort level, his compete level. So maybe he's going through a little bit of a slide and he's not producing. But when you have been consistent your whole career, you get a little bit of a free pass when you go on a slide. It, it, they are humans. You you never know what's going on in his life. Huge difference between Kevin Fiala having a stretch, a bad stretch, and Pierre-Luc Dubois having a bad stretch. Huge difference. All right, Kobe. Well... Take a deep breath because D Ely in the chat said, don't hold anything back, Kobe, LOL. And I believe D Ely is a Carolina Hurricanes fan. And I know you have a bone to pick with them. Uh, what we saw last night after they beat the Boston Bruins on Twitter, w- one of their accounts, uh, a Carolina fan account. I want to actually like call out the account. So no, me- don't, don't call out the account. No, don't, okay. don't, don't even do it. And, and it's why I didn't right. even go at them on social media, because honestly, somebody who would post something so fucking ignorant doesn't deserve to be reposted, retweeted. All this total fucking jerk off was looking for was attention, but to make light. Okay. Of the bombings in Boston, after a hockey game is the most scumbag thing I've seen on Twitter. And wow, that is a statement because Twitter is full of absolute losers and scumbags. Okay. With all their nasty bullshit, faceless, nasty bullshit that they post. Let me tell you something. I was in Boston during the bombings that happened during marathon Monday. I was probably two to two to three blocks away from the finish line at a charity event. When that happened, I could feel the shock from when that happened. People lost their lives. Children lost limbs. So to make a fucking joke about that is the scummiest thing I've seen. Now, I do remember someone from Kane's Twitter doing something like that with the World Trade Centers yeah. as well. So mm-hmm. holy shit, don't be that low class. This is sports, okay? to bring those things in some of the most terrible things in the history of our country after a win to celebrate makes you a piece of shit, low life scumbag. All right. It's the grossest thing I saw on social media. And again, I wanted to go at the person, but then I realized that's all they want is Mm -hmm. attention. All right. You are a fucking loser for posting that an absolute loser. And just for context, someone replied to the Bruins graphic of them losing three to two to Carolina with a picture of the Boston bomber wearing a Carolina hurricanes hat and hurricanes Jersey and wrote boom. So that's where this was triggered from. I saw it late last night and I send it right over to Kobe. There was a lot of people replying to it and giving it attention, but just like Kobe said, he didn't want to, but this is a, a reoccurring theme with Canes fans. And that's why, you know, I said the other day on the show that I hate Carolina fans. They're the first ones to do this every time they beat a team. So just cut and, the shit, and, man. Just cut the, the shit. The shame of it is their run. It's it's like Rod Brindamore is the face of that organization, and he couldn't be a, a classier human being. He he is all class, Rod Brindamore. He has been class in the NHL for I don't know. He 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 played for at least 15 plus years. He won Stanley Cups. He was captains. Uh, he's been a phenomenal coach. He's well-respected. Like you couldn't have a classier guy running the organization. So to stoop to that level 
It's absolutely disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Do better. That's a good team. It's a good franchise. All right. It ruins a great win. It's, it's, it's a place that players like to play. It's an organization people like to be a part of. Um, you know, I, I know Trip Tracy really well. One of their broadcasters is a great guy. He treats people really well, treats other broadcasters really well. It, it's, it's, it was devastating to see that. I mean, that, that pissed me off beyond belief. So yeah. do better. Honestly, have some fucking accountability in your life. Don't be a scumbag and do shit like that on social media. Give me a fucking break. And uh, D. Ely did just say in the chat, um, probably a Canes fan who throws on a Rangers jersey when they come to town. The Canes fans jumped all over the idiot who posted that. The Canes fans slammed him on the Facebook pages. So at least Canes fans are taking action because I'm good. sure they don't, they don't want to claim that fan. Yeah, no, so. you don't want that guy representing you. And unfortunately, he posts that and that's what everybody sees. That, yeah. that After a great win. I mean, you know, the Hurricanes played really well. They beat a Bruins team that's probably playing better than anyone in the NHL right now. Um, you know, 33 shots against Olmark, you know, they, they find the way to, to get three goals, um, you know, back and forth in that game, Spencer Martin, a guy that just claimed off of waivers gets a big, uh, you know, a, a huge performance and a huge bump. Um, but it's unfortunate that we don't even start with that. We start with that scumbag loser fan. So, you know, the hurricanes are, are, are on the ice, uh, uh, a model, a model citizen group in the way that they play hockey when they play hockey well. I know Seth Jarvis sat down with with Frank on Frankly Speaking, his podcast, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the video will actually, full video, full show will drop on the Daily Faceoff YouTube page today. Uh, he talked about, you know, the adversity that that team has fought and, and you know, ultimately um, a team that that should should find their way, especially if they can get saves and, and they can get goaltending. So let, let's move on. I'm I'm like sweating yeah. here. I'm I'm yeah. like I'm just like sweating. I'm I'm so annoyed talking about you know th- this team. Yeah. Well, I want to get something or into something that you and I are both excited to talk about, and that's Boston University against Boston College this weekend. And I know this is an NHL show, but this is probably the biggest weekend in college hockey, and it should be something that NHL fans pay attention to because there are a total of 28 yeah. draft picks playing between these two teams. The future, uh, the future of the NHL is yeah. literally going to play at Boston College Friday night at 7 and at Boston University Saturday night at 7. Anybody with ESPN Plus can watch these games, okay? And, and these two teams are not only going to see each other twice this weekend, next Monday... They're going to see each other again in the first round of the bean pot for at the sold out, you know, TD garden. So, you know, get, get your ESPN plus on, on Friday night, because these two teams are loaded, full of players, loaded, full of players. And, and Johnny, I, you said 28 total draft picks, mm-hmm. 14 draft picks on BC, 14 draft picks on BU. And I, I want to read some of the names. You, you, you want to say anything before I, well, I go into that? I was going to say each have 14, but you got to include Macklin Celebrini in there as well for BU because he's not listed as a draft pick, but he is most likely going to go number one overall this coming year. Uh, so he's going number one yeah, overall. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a done deal, um, you know, and and let, let me just read you some of the names of, of the higher end notable draft picks that are playing in this game. You've got Cutter Goche, who's been in the news lately, but he's still a phenomenal player. Fifth overall. OK, you've got Will Smith fourth overall on BC, Ryan Leonard, eighth overall BC. Okay. Gabe Perot, 
23rd overall. Some people say he might have been the steal of the first round because of how far he fell. He paces BC with the most points. All right. And then a couple other notables on that team that weren't first rounds. You have Drew Fortescue, just played on the world junior team. He was a third round pick. All right. And then um, say, say the last defenseman's <laughs> name because I'm, I'm looking at it and I don't want to bomb it. Aram Manedian. Aram Manedian. He's a fourth round pick. He was another world junior player. He's a defenseman for BC. So look at all the studs on Boston College. Most of them freshmen, a couple of them sophomores. All right, so you, this is going to be their first time playing against BU in the battle for Calm Ave. And then on BU, you've got the 11th overall pick, Tom Willander. Okay, you've got second round pick, Ryan Green, 57th. Lane Hudson, we all know who Lane Hudson is. He's probably the best player on any given night in college hockey. I mean, what he's doing as a defenseman is insane. Luke Tuck is a second round pick. Okay, Jack Hughes is a second round pick. Shane Lachance, he's a six-round pick by Edmonton, but he's been phenomenal, plays on the first power play for BU. And then Macklin Celebrini, who's going to go first overall and, and you know, is potentially a guy who's an impactful player in the NHL next year. So th this is a loaded battle for Com Ave. And, I mean, it, it could be... And you got two really good goaltenders, Jacob Fowler for BC, who played on the World Junior team. Um, and Matthew Curran, who's a, who's a transfer from Brown, mm. who's been absolutely phenomenal Stud. for BU, Stud. phenomenal for BU. So um, th this is going to be really, really good hockey on Friday and Saturday night. The buildings will be sold out. The student sections will be insane. This will be top, top end college hockey, future NHL stars. And this, I believe, you know, these two historic programs have been around for a very long time. I believe this is the first time they've ever met where they're respected one and two yeah. in the country. So, you know, you're someone who's played in this. In every, in every ranking, you know, there's three different, you know, there's the USA Hockey Today poll, there's the USCHO poll, and then the pairwise, which is the mm -hmm. mathematical poll. They're one, two in all of them. It's the first time this has ever happened. So, um, what a great rivalry. I, I played in a bunch of these games, my favorite games of the year. It's the only time I miss playing is when mm. BU plays BC. It's the only time I miss playing. It's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to watch those games this weekend. I'll definitely be tuning in. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for BC to be honest. I have uh, a little more ties to that school than I do to BU. And also I want to see you kind of fired up. So I'll be chirping you all weekend. And I imagine this is gonna be one of those weekends where you just uh, reply to me on social media to say, lose my number. Cause you've done that probably now like 10 times in the last week, but uh, you know, nice to see you sporting your BU red hoodie. Anything else you want to say about these two teams before we move on to the next topic? Listen, I, I'm, I'm getting ready. The NCAA tournament is not that far away. These, these games matter. BU's number one in hockey East. They're being chased by everybody else. Those conference, uh, those conference matchups matter as you get to your conference tournaments. Um, there's some other big college games on this weekend as well with North Dakota playing Denver. That's a huge series. You can catch that on CBS sports on Friday night. Um, you know, college hockey these days is, is, is full of NHL future stars. It's, it's really exciting. So the other plug I just want to give really quickly is yeah. uh, everything. College hockey is, is dropping a video today um, about Macklin Celebrini. It's 10 minutes long. I got a chance to get a sneak preview of it. I know you did too. Those yeah, guys never awesome. in college hockey. They, they got the best top end players that are going to be NHL stars. They go behind the scenes. The video is really, really well done. They did an incredible job. So check out 
my social, Johnny's social, everything college hockey social. We'll all be posting about it today. Um, get, give that a quick viewing. Mike Rizzioni featured in it as well. So that's pretty I cool. Know. R- Rizzo, yeah. Rizzo's the best. I mean, listen, that that's America's guest right there. We all love Mike Rizzioni. Uh, one of the biggest goals in, in USA hockey history, obviously. Mm. Um, so if you're an American hockey fan, you'll, you'll enjoy Rizzo's uh, cameo in the video or cameos. And the last thing I'll say is that we are planning and hoping to have on Lane Hudson and Ryan Leonard for BU NBC prior to the Beanpot game. So when that game does come up, we should be having those two on as guests. So stay tuned for that. Or, or we'll try to get Celebrini. We'll, we'll get them, you know, we'll get some of these high end guys on our show. They're, they're, uh, they're all eager and they want to come on and they want to talk about it. So I, we figured the bean pot would, would really be the, the biggest game um, because it is a tournament. It is played on an, in an NHL building. It's, it's, it's just a whole nother level um, for college hockey. So we'll, we'll have them on here in the next couple of weeks. And just the last thing we're going to touch on today, something that absolutely sucks to talk about is the 2018 Canadian world junior team that's facing the sexual assault charges, as you may have seen yesterday, all over social media. There have been five names that are listed and, you know, this is an ongoing investigation that will be decided by the London police department. So until London comes out with any uh, decision or any conclusion as to what happened, I mean, listen, the, there hasn't been charges yet. We, we, mm-hmm. we think we know what's going on. Um, we've seen the players take a leave of absence, but you know, we're not going to sit here and, and speculate on this show. The reality is, is the players have taken a leave of absence Charges are coming. We know that. What charges? We don't know exactly. Um, the only comment that I'm going to make on it is that when you break the law, if you break the law, there's consequences. Mm-hmm. And that's how society works. That's that's how we we live and 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 how things go. Um, I think whether you're an athlete or not, you break the law, you 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 face you know you fr- you face charges, you face a penalty. So I think we have to be careful not to sentence these guys before they're even charged. Because I, I do believe that the London police announced that they're having a press conference on February 5th. We believe that they've given these players X amount of time to um, turn themselves in and, and to, to deal with their arraignments. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, th- this is a legal matter. This is out of the NHL's hands. It's, it's out of the team's hands. Try to remember if you're a fan of one of these teams, bigger things than hockey yeah. here. Um, they, they are. I know social media is going to be very toxic around this whole thing, but just remember something. A lot of people's lives are affected by this um, and and just try to remember that uh, hockey is is secondary to real life and, and you know what takes place here. So we'll, we'll continue to report the news on this. Frank Saravalli has done a great job. They talked about it on DFO. He'll have up to date information. Check out the daily face off website. They'll have up-to-date information as things unfold here, you know, but we're not going to sit here and play the speculation game um, and, and the what if game. It's, it's unprofessional. It's, it's irresponsible to everybody involved. And that's what I want to say as well. This isn't, you know, talking about trade rumors or coach firings. This is a very serious matter that shouldn't be joked about. And I've seen a lot of jokes being made and, you know, like you said, Kobe, these are people, people's lives. And, you know, my only thing that I'll finish on is that the NHL, you know, in history has been on the wrong side of these kind of decisions and which with whatever news comes out, hopefully this time the NHL gets it right with whatever decision they this decide gonna, to make. This, this isn't going to have anything to do with the NHL. This is going to be the, the law. This, the is, law. This, yeah. this is, this is dealt with in, in the court of law. 
Okay. The NHL is, is, is a sports league. This is, these are, you know, civil federal, like this is so well above and beyond the NHL. So I understand the NHL yesterday said no comment again. What comment are they supposed to make? Okay. I don't know what comment they're supposed to make. So let this happen in the court of law. Okay. Let these things transpire and, and let people face the music for, for poor decisions. Okay. And, And then the NHL can make a comment. Teams can make a comment. But right now, the, it, it would be irresponsible really for anybody to make a comment. It really would. And, and again, your your heart goes out to the people affected by this yeah. whole thing. It's a terrible, terrible situation. But we're going to leave it at that. Okay, I know it's a serious thing. We're going to just quickly talk about some of the games that are going on tonight. There's a pretty big slate, nine games in the NHL tonight. Um, I do think... Every day we talk about this, Johnny, and every day we realize we're inching closer to playoffs. All right. We're a week away from being under 80 days to the playoffs. Teams are starting to realize we're getting close to the deadline. I think some teams traditionally like to get out in front of the trade deadline, get players in. That's tough when you have cap issues and you need to wait for that salary cap number to get lower. But are there any games really tonight that that you think are are more important than others? And I think there's a couple obvious ones. Uh, there are certainly obvious ones, but I want you to guess which game that I'm most excited to watch. Because you should, if you know me enough, you should know me, or you should know which game I'm thinking of. Mm, which game would you be thinking of here? Um... <laughs> oh, look, I think the I think I think the I oh well Boston at Ottawa you you're gonna want to you're gonna want to watch your boy Pinto um so I know that's a game yeah. you're gonna be watching but look I think the Islanders at Montreal is another big game Patrick Waugh yeah. returning back to Montreal is always a big story uh, mm-hmm. anything in Canada is always inflated you know he's trying to get his team going in the right direction um, I, I do think that the loss against uh, Vegas he was very pleased with in some yeah. regard because of the amount of time they spent in their own zone versus they spent in the offensive zone. Basically they spent 80% of the game in the offensive zone and 20% of the game in the defensive zone, which is a massive change from the last time they played Vegas. So he's already starting to see little bits and little changes within his structure and within his locker room, a game that I think is well, important. John, can I actually, can I plug myself really quick there for a second? Go ahead. I did an interview uh, the other night with Matt Martin and I, uh, you know, got some quotes from Patrick Waugh about him taking over the Islanders, which I will be posting actually right after we hang up the show today. Uh, it was just posted on dailyfaceoff.com, my interview with Martin. So um, I do want to plug that on the show because I will be posting the article right after we get off here. And it was funny. Patrick Waugh said he's excited to go to Montreal uh, on the road for the first time with his new team and have no distractions. And yeah, Patrick Waugh going back to Montreal, no distractions, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the funny, the last Patrick Waugh comment I'll make, yeah. I did talk to somebody who, who, who you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave their name out here because the Islanders like to be airtight. But the quote that I got was something like, uh, Patrick Waugh knows he's the shit and <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of awesome, but it's also kind of, you know, I, I, I forget the exact word. He, he was, he knows he's the shit, which is kind of awesome, but it's also kind of like, okay, we get it. So you know, I said, look, who has more cachet than than Patrick Waugh to come in there and and swing his uh, his weight around 
uh, if we want to keep it a little bit PG 13. So <laughs> the game, Johnny, that, that I've got my eye on a little bit tonight is, is that Philadelphia Detroit game. The Philadelphia mm-hmm. Flyers have lost three games in a row. Um, they, they are now going to be without Carter Hart. So they call up Cal Peterson. They've got Sam Erson, who I, I do think is a potential number one goalie in the NHL. They've given up a lot of goals the last couple of games. They really yeah. have. And I think what was it like 18 and three. Yeah, I think the Torts is going to be looking to reel that back. And I think when the Flyers are successful, they're not playing track meet hockey. I think they lose a fourth game without getting any points. You start to wonder, are, are we starting to see the slide of the Philadelphia Flyers? Are they going to start falling out? Something everybody's been thinking about and wondering about all season. I think they put an end to the bleeding tonight. I still have belief in that team. I still do believe that that team is going to continue to overachieve based on the way that they play and the, and the, the, the effort and the puck management that I've seen out of them this year. But I, I do think for a, for a Flyers Detroit game uh, late, you know, in, in late January, I do think that game carries a lot of weight. And then the Edmonton Oilers looking for 15th straight playing yeah. against the uh, league worst or one of the league worst um, uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, I know our friends at Oilers nation will be fired up. Um, they, they, they cover these games so well. It's such a passionate fan base. I'm actually going on Oilers nation at two 30 today to talk about it a little bit with Tyler, Yaremchuk and company. Um, so uh, we'll see if Edmonton continues that streak tonight. I think they will. Uh, the Blackhawks got shit kicked in, in Seattle a, last night. So what a hot take. You think the Edmonton Oilers are going to beat the Blackhawks? I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I, it wasn't meant to be a hot take, but I think they, they get to 15. I, I do believe they'll, they'll get you said it like it was a crazy opinion. And I think they will <laughs> go on. Well, listen, man, you, you, you start. If they don't, around. there's a serious problem. If they're well, at home four, ice against four. the Blackhawks, Twitter is going to erupt. Well, listen, you start to get into these these uh, streaks and the, the pressure does amp up even against a shit team and human nature could creep in. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I I don't think, will you see Stuart Skinner tonight? I don't know. We'll, we'll, you'll have to tune into Oilers Nation today to, to find out. I'm going to be rooting very, very hard for the Blackhawks just for the entertainment value. It's going to be hilarious. Dude, the, the, Bla- the Blackhawks lineup is, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. up front. It's, it's, it's really rough. rough up front. I think on the back end, there's a little bit there. You know, Seth Jones and Alex Vlasic, I think that's a legitimate pair. That's a legit pair. Alex Vlasic, who, who's one of my BU guys, he's mm-hmm. really turned into a stud. Yeah, that kid's going to be a top pair defenseman in the NHL for a long time. The Blackhawks, um, in their last eight games, they've scored less than two goals in six of eight of their last yeah, games. Yeah, it's... it's they they can't they cannot produce offense. It's it's painful to watch them try to produce offense right now, Johnny. It it is it is legitimately painful. It's also legitimately painful talking to you for more than an hour, and we've been going at it for about an hour today. Uh, we want to thank everyone in the chat for tuning in today, for chiming in. We got a lot of good questions today, a lot of good comments. Uh, I'm going to use that Colodro uh, uh, comment, I guess, and and try to run with that. Who? Who? Was it Colodro from a Bronx tale? Is that his name? Jeez, character. His name. Have, have a little bit of confidence. Jesus. Yeah, I, I wasn't very confident in that. But um, as always, thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you to our producer, Vic. Colby, always great talking to you. Next week, we have a very busy week. We'll be you know live Monday through Thursday, but we'll be taking off to go to Toronto. Uh, midway through the week for All Star break, so we got a lot of fun stuff planned there. We'll be together. We'll be together, together on Thursday. Yeah. I might take a swing at you if you piss me <laughs> off during the show. That'll that'll be entertainment factor. I could take you honestly. I think. Oh my god.
you got a licorice body, buddy. Uh, but that's going to be it for today's show. So thank you to everybody. And we'll talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend.